Welcome to the Taking a Breath Podcast with Parker Mays. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of the Taking a Breath Podcast. I'm Parker, and today joining me is Brendan Kumarasamy. He's the founder of Master Talk, which is a YouTube channel he started to help the world master the art of public speaking and communication. He coaches purpose-driven entrepreneurs on how to master their message and share their ideas with the world. I'm excited today because as I've started to enter into the world of sales and networking and, uh, and podcasting, I have really been working on leveling up my public speaking game. So um, having Brendan here is exciting for me and I hope uh, brings value to you as well. So Brendan, would love for you to uh, share a quick introduction about yourself and how you got to where you are today. Of course, Parker. Thanks for having me, man. So yeah, my name is Brendan. I'm the founder of Master Talk, as you alluded to. It's a YouTube channel I started to help people with their communication skills. How I got started was when I was in university like you, I used to do these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So other guys my age were kind of playing soccer or rugby or some other dangerous thing I probably shouldn't be doing. I used that competitive spirit that I had and applied it, oddly enough, to presentations. So for three years, presented hundreds of times, coached dozens of people. And then after I graduated and I got a corporate job, I just asked myself a simple question. How do I make a difference in the world? That's when the idea for the channel came to be because I realized a lot of the communication information out there is really bad. You know, you hear advice like, oh, Parker, Parker you should be yourself. You should get up on stage. And I'm just like, well, I was like, why is there an accent? First of all, Anyways, a lot of bizarre, <laughs> a lot of bizarre things. So I started making videos in my mother's basement. One thing led to another and the rest was history. That's super interesting. So, and it, I know it all started when you were in school. So um, let's chat about this a little bit, because I know that there's this huge kind of like fear factor around public speaking, right? And it's something that I know you're passionate about, like kind of sharing where that came from and some of those things. So tell me a little bit about that. Why do you think that public speaking is such a huge fear for, especially for young uh, students? Yeah, of course, I'm happy to give that context. So the question we need to ask ourselves whether you live in South Korea, the United States, or some part in Europe, is why are we all scared of public speaking to begin with? And what is the origin of that fear? So the next best question is, where do we give most of our presentations? And for all of us, the answer is the education system. It's high school, it's university, it's college. Because think about it, Parker, 99% of our presentations that we get in our lives are not optional, they're mandatory. We don't wake up one morning and say, hey, Parker, you want to get breakfast and present all day? Says nobody ever. I think I'm one of four <laughs> people in my country says that. <laughs> so kind of, let's play that out. So me and you are sitting in high school or sitting in college and three things happen. Number one, we never get to choose the topic. And if we do, it's generally something we're not passionate about. Think about the Renaissance in history. You're saying they're like, okay, you're like a 15-year-old kid. You're a 20-year-old kid. You're like, okay, I got to present this thing. Number two, students don't care to listen to you. Not because they don't care about you. We're all great people here. You got a nice shirt on. You know, I should probably dress better. You know, we're all, we're all great people. <laughs> but the point that I'm driving is the reason they're not paying attention to you is because they got to talk about Egypt in 10 minutes and they're biting their nails. Hmm. Their headspace is somewhere else versus somebody who's listening to us right now they're not trying to multitask with another class. Yeah. They're paying attention, absorbing the information here. And number three, teachers. 
teachers are very well educated, very well intentioned, but also very stressed. When you have 60 students in a classroom and all of them have to give one presentation each, do you really have time to coach all of them? Hmm. Probably not. So let's recap. In 100% of all the presentations you've given, you've presented topics you didn't even like to students who didn't care to listen to you, to teachers who didn't have time to coach you. Hmm. And all of these factors get repeated forever, whether it's in school or whether it's at work, whether it's tied to a grade, whether it's tied to work. So the bottom line is the reason we stink is not because we're, <laughs> we're bad at public speaking. It's because the system of communication, the education system has taught us to believe that we shouldn't be good at it, that it's a chore. We need to change that way of thinking to master it. Yeah. So, so, and that's super interesting because I think that you're exactly right that a lot of us have that initial like fear factor of a, you know, oh, I have to go next. So I can't pay attention to see what other people are doing. I don't have someone to actually help me learn. Um, one thing that I'm curious about is, you know, moving forward into, okay, you know, I really do want to improve my public speaking, right? I, I'm scared of it, but I want to, is there any like of those initial obstacles that you see really commonly that we can kind of be conscious of and work to overcome? Absolutely. I can give you the easiest trick in the book. So if anyone's listening to this applies this one thing, okay. you will easily 10 extra communication skills. And it's called the puzzle method. So public speaking is like a jigsaw puzzle, Parker. You know, those pieces you kind of put together, you know, I guess now because it's COVID, everyone's kind of doing puzzles, I guess. So, so if I asked you, uh, if you were doing this puzzle yourself, which pieces would you start with first? Corners and edges. Right, exactly. And what's your rationale for that? Uh, once you get the, the outside done, then you can like move in, I guess, from the outside. Exactly. Perfect. Yeah. But now the question we need to ask ourselves is why don't we do that at public speaking? Hmm. We have a presentation at work, in the boardroom, in the conference room, in the classroom. So what do we do? We start with the middle first. We start shoving a bunch of content in our presentation. Shove, shove, shove. In other words, we start with the middle. And then we get to the presentation at school. We ramble through the entire thing. We get to the last slide and it sounds something like this. Uh, uh, thanks. That's probably <laughs> 95% of all the presentations I've seen in my career. Yeah. But there's an easy way to fix this. Treat your presentations like a jigsaw puzzle. Hmm. Start with the edges first. Practice your introduction 50 times. Not three times, not five times. Do it 50 times. It's actually not that hard. It'll take you an hour because each introduction is like give or take a minute. Yeah. Same thing with the conclusion. What's a great movie with a terrible ending? Last time I checked, terrible movie. 50 times in two hours of practice. You'll look at your classroom presentation and go, well, I'm pretty good at this thing. Hmm. I've never, I've never practiced my introduction 50 times. It sounds pretty good. And then, then with that newfound confidence, then you dive for the middle, then you figure out your middle content. But remember, much like jigsaw puzzles, who does puzzles on their own? Nobody I know. So work with the team. You don't necessarily need a coach. You just need a group of friends around you who want to see you win and practice with each other. So that way, that way they give you ideas. And that's how I got really good at communication. 
I love that. And I think that's super interesting because you're exactly right. The the piece that my mind immediately jumps to, and I think for everyone else too, it's that content. Like what is the stuff that I want to talk about versus like the, the most basic pieces, those building blocks. So I love that um, advice and something that I really need to apply uh, more as well as I'm getting more into it. Is there anything for you that you still struggle with, with public speaking, or have you kind of like just over time worked out that, you know, the different weaknesses. So, so definitely worked out some of the weakness over time. Absolutely, Parker, but there's always new challenges and new mediums where I need to constantly innovate on. And a good mm. example is this medium right here. I only started guesting on shows a couple of months ago for the first time ever, but I started YouTube two years ago. Mm. So, I've, so when the first time I got on a podcast, someone would be like, so Brendan, uh, where do you think the fear of public speaking comes from? I'd just be like, uh, I guess uh, I'm a dude in my basement. I don't really know. Let me get back to you. But then over time, because I get asked the same questions a lot, then I'm able to develop a much better answer that your audience could take advantage of now. Some answer to the long more than once. But that's the that's the thing. Like even for somebody like me, who, for example, another example I give you, a lot of my speaking engagements, literally in February, I was speaking to 300 kids in a keynote. And then a month later, I'm on a Zoom call right? with yeah. with, uh, with uh, no lighting, no equipment, and I have to buy all these lights and this headset. And I have to I have to innovate myself and try and present this with the same energy, but with I can't see anybody. I don't have that same reaction, so it's a lot harder. So for even for me, man, I'm always struggling. I'm always trying to figure out, and that's what's fun about public speaking is that communication is a lifelong journey. Hmm. I mean, the puzzle method is something I invented four months ago when I was teaching a client. Before, like many other people in my industry, I used to explain speech structure in such a complicated way. Okay, Parker, there's seven types of nonverbal communication, all these different speech, and you're just there like, okay, okay, but you don't, <laughs> you don't do anything with And then one of my clients was just like, uh, I don't understand. Like, she was just really tired from work. And I said, what can I do? So I just looked around my basement. I saw puzzle pieces on the floor, and I was like, Public speaking is like a jigsaw puzzle. She's like, oh, really? How? And I was like, uh, quarter pieces first, middle. I was like, oh, that's genius. And I started yeah. writing that. So yeah, it's a process for all of us. Including I love that. And, and I, I relate so much to the new mediums. Like as you're going, to, I mean, especially with technology now, everything's evolving, right? Podcasts just blew up over the past year and a half or two years. or um, and, and now everything's on Zoom, all of this stuff. Do you have any tips specifically in the virtual world right now for how to engage better with a camera or with the, I mean, you do, you've been doing it with YouTube, just engaging with the camera for a long time, but even on live presentations where I'm looking at my, you know, my laptop camera, is there any tips that, um, um, are different from, from in person? Yeah, I can, I can already tell you're ahead of the game, Parker, (laughs) but but you're right in the sense that the big difference between online and in-person presentations is it's a lot more challenging for you to gauge your audience's reaction. Since I was giving a university workshop for where you're at right now, and I was, I said a joke, let's say two things will happen. (laughs) One, you'll either laugh at the joke and say, man, Brett is such a funny guy. Or two, which is more likely you look at me and go, why is this guy telling jokes? Jesus really shouldn't be uh, saying jokes, but either way I can tell. I don't have that luxury in the online world. Because in the online world, with everyone's cameras turned off, or if I'm on a webinar with 150 people, or even 150,000 people, and there's nobody, I can't see anybody, I have to assume the joke's funny. 
and yeah. still present it as if as if it is funny and that people are laughing. That's the challenge mm. of the online world. The the couple of tips I have. One is the one you Please. mentioned perfectly. Keep your eyes on the lens. And one trick that I got from another speaker is what you can do is put a picture of somebody that you love or like a favorite food next to the lens. So it mm. forces you to look directly at it. And the other thing is get on a call with your audience. You know what I do is like I, I like to get on a call with somebody who's going to be there. And that way I can I can always picture myself presenting that person and allows me to show up with the same amount of energy. And as a bonus tip for those of you who want to start podcasts or be YouTubers, I actually have a secret trick that I don't tell a lot of people. And that is I don't actually present alone. There's somebody in the room. My video guy is actually the guy who's in the room with me and films everything and edits all my videos. So I actually do have an in-person audience because I, I need it. Like, I just need my in-person audience. I can't do it now when I'm presenting in my basement, but when I record my YouTube videos, I always make sure somebody's in the room. So that's something you can do as a bonus tip. That's so interesting. Okay. I love that. I, especially with the idea of like recording, like whether it's a speech or like a longer form piece of content, I love that idea. So I, that's another thing I'm going to have to uh, implement as well. Um, I'm curious about energy because this is something that I am always kind of tweaking in terms of um, this balance between like wanting to have high energy, but also wanting, you know, that authenticity. So um, for you, how does people's energy affect their speaking? And should, should we change our energy to, you know, a higher, like more um, exaggerated energy if we're speaking or be more authentic if I don't have, you know, as much energy naturally? That's a great question. Here's the way I think about it, Parker. I think energy is probably something that's more of seasoning on the cake okay. or rather pasta rather than the actual, you know, putting in the oven, cooking the dish, right? So that's more of like a, when you get to that top 1% category, you start thinking about energy. Okay. But what I will say, though, is most people are generally on the lower side. Most people are generally lacking rather than over. So you're actually one of the few cases that has a bit too much energy. That's really good. That's really good. That means it's easy for you to bring yourself back down. But it's much because I'm like you, I'm very high energy, but it's very difficult to do the opposite. Someone is low energy to go back high. So my general recommendation for energy and bringing it is it's counterintuitive. You want to have dinner with the people that you speak to. So let's say for you, you know, I know you're getting started with everything, but my recommendation for you is to make a presentation on your own podcast, like make a presentation on what taking a breath is and what you're Mm. trying to do with it. And present it in local classrooms in your university or communities. But because you're presenting the same thing over and over and over again, that presentation is going to exponentially get better, especially Mm. if you apply the puzzle method I just showed you. But the bonus there, if you want to be in the top 1%, and this applies for everyone, not just Parker, is the next thing you want to do, this is what people like me do, is I actually get dinner, like actual dinner. It could be like a coffee or whatever. The people in the audience... And I just ask them questions like, what did you think about the idea? What, how would you explain my idea back to me? What, what, what do you think I could have done better to explain it? So then what they're going to say is they're going to say, oh, Parker, I really like the idea, but, uh, but who is it for? And then you're like, but, you're really, but, I, but I know who's it for. Oh, but I didn't communicate it. Mm. Clearly. Oh, let me take a note on that. Let me take a note on and And once again, as a bonus kind of insider knowledge here, that's what happened to me and drove the idea for Master Talk because I started talking with a demographic that nobody in my industry talked to, which was six-year-old girls, 12-year-old boys. 
when I'd meet them at pro bono workshops and they were deathly afraid of public speaking, that's when I got the insight that, wait a second, nobody's presenting public speaking in a super entertaining way, like in a mm. super fun way, like I do with master, at least I hope to, <laughs> or I'm trying <laughs> to, but it's, it's more entertaining relative to most public speaking content sure. out there. So it's, it's from talking to my audience, not looking at a spreadsheet, no, literally like eating fruit with like a six-year-old on an 8 a.m. on a Sunday morning when I get a workshop, like, what do you think? She's like, what's the CEO? And I'm like, you're right. CEOs are not important. Let's let me refine this. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that that's really good to know, kind of breaking it down to that level, to whoever the audience is, making it really clear to communicate. And I feel like having that clarity around what you want, how you're going to communicate it is super important. So that's definitely something I, I'm going to continue to work on. One thing that I, I'm interested in is, so your, was, was master talk during college or was it once you got out of college and you're in, in the, you know, the job world now? It, it was in the last inning of university. So, okay. so I've been thinking about YouTube for maybe in my last year, I had, I sort of had an inkling, but I wasn't, I wasn't going to pursue it, but it was, I would say the 20th person I was coaching at some point, they're just like, how did you learn how to speak? And I got that, I get that question all the time. And I just went, oh, uh, you know, I'm just self-taught. Cause for me in my head, it's just easy, right? It's just, you just present and, but, but they always look at me like, but what do you think I should like look at as resources? When I got that question the first time, I didn't really care. I was just, just listening to me. I'm right in front of you. But as the 20th person who asked me that question, I said, wait a second, what resources are out there? What about the people who can't like get access to me? I hope there's some good stuff out there. Once yeah. again, didn't want to start a YouTube channel. But then I started watching those videos myself and I just went, what is this garbage? It's so bad. So that's when I got frustrated enough to open my phone and start making them myself. And so you had actually been coaching before you did YouTube, not the that's, other way around. That's correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've, I've actually been coaching since I was 19. Okay. So, so I've been doing speech coaching now for five years, four or five-ish. And for for one thing that I, I'm curious about, because I have kind of thought about it from the opposite approach of like, oh, I'm going to create content like this, right? The podcast, the Instagram, all of this. And then like long-term, it would be cool to do some like young leaders coaching or some like groups or whatever. But um, what was kind of your process for that? Uh, absolutely. And one thing I want to emphasize, there's no right answer here. So sure. like you creating content and then switching over makes sense to me. For me, it was, I, I, I never really had my eyes on YouTube. I never wanted to be sure. a content creator. Like I should have been more like you when I was young. I just wanted to be an executive at a company. Yeah. Right. So, so what happened essentially, I was 19, I started university, then uh, borderline 20, I joined uh, the university's case competition program, where we essentially fly out students around the world to present presentations. It's really bizarre. And I realized uh, I had a gift for communication. I was bad at a lot of things with case, like figuring out the solution for the business, but I knew how to sell it to the executives. That was my thing. So the following mm -hmm. year, when I became a mentor in the program, and I was already coaching people inside, kind of said, what can I do for the new blood? Like the new people who are entering the, this university program mm -hmm. said, oh, we don't have a speech coach because they're so expensive. Why don't I just be that speech coach? Yeah. So that's when I started coaching all those people. And I didn't know what I was doing, to be honest. I was coaching them for free, right? I, I, was, I was coaching people for free until like last year, up until okay. last year, right? So I was just doing everything for free. And I realized through conversations with them, I was able to coach them better. And then I just developed an expertise and a way of seeing public speaking that most people who are industry professionals just didn't look at it like puzzles. You don't see anyone else comparing public speaking to puzzles. That's what led. So my advice is simple, yeah. coach for free. 
and see okay. if you can get results. And if you can't get results, totally fine. It's free. Right. And, yeah. and ask them how you can do your coaching better. And that's how I developed my curriculum. It's interesting that you mentioned that because that's kind of been an initial route that I've been thinking about. One thing I'm curious about. So you are doing this even still, I guess it, it sounds like from what I've heard as kind of the side hustle, like master talking coaching is the side hustle. I know you have the main job. Um, a lot of students, it's appealing to go that route because we have school as our main thing. And then the side hustle um, as well. Um, any tips on creating, whether it's a content side hustle, a coaching side hustle, or just just something else in the business or entrepreneurship world. Um, any tips on creating a successful side hustle? Yeah, my first tip, and it's very counterintuitive once again, is to get a job. Okay. And the reason I think that is because it allows you to create income for yourself and pay off your student debt really quickly. Yeah. Right. So that's that would be my huge recommendation is do the math. Understand what your student debt is. Understand what lucrative jobs you can get out of your field and pursue those first. Razor focus until you get the job. When you get the job, then life will be really easy. A lot easier. I call this side hustling comfortably. That's mm. my strategy. You know, all these people, they tell you, you know, side hustle, work at a restaurant. You don't need to work at a damn restaurant. If you're really smart, right? And, you, and you're not an entrepreneur, you don't have that DNA, you weren't selling lemonade, lemonade when you were a kid. Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not one of those guys. I'm not a Gary Vee, right? Sure. Then get a six-figure corporate job. Like literally get a six-figure corporate job or like a 50, 60 grand, live in your mother's basement like I do, if, if you can, yeah. obviously, and then start thinking side hustle. Hmm. So then when you have that space, you have that mind space, you're not stressed about money, you're not stressed about work, then you could say, okay, now let's figure out the side hustle. And the only question you need to ask yourself to figure that out is what does the world need me most to do right now and why? Yo. So in many ways, Master Talk chose me, right? I just so happened to do all of these case comp. Once again, I did all that for free, man. I never wanted to start a business. I want to be a corporate executive, make half a million dollars and die, right? That's it, yeah. right? But, but it's in that journey that I was so obsessed with getting that job. I was so obsessed with improving my skill that mm -hmm. I just ended up being one of the best speech coaches in the world. And I was able to monetize that really quickly. Like I'll probably do this full-time starting next year, to be honest. But, but I think the wow. idea that I want to drive for people is you want to secure yourself first. Some people are going to tell you to go all in. I'm not big on that. I'm big on side hustling comfortably. Why, why suffer when you can have fun doing it? Yo, and, and that's such a good perspective because a lot of the people I have on are more like all in on the side hustle, like do that. So I love, part of the reason I love talking to different people from different backgrounds is because you bring that perspective. It's okay to want to just get a six figure job and, and do the nine to five thing. And also do like, like there's nothing wrong with any um, route. And I think there's so many options right now and we have that freedom to do it, especially for young people. So um, Brendan, A, Thank you so much for all the insight you shared today. I want to um, give you a chance to share where people can find you, YouTube, Instagram, whatever works best. Absolutely, Parker. You know, the best way to get in touch is definitely YouTube. Okay. All you got to do is type master talk in one word and you'll find me right there. Awesome. Sweet. Perfect. And um, if there is one takeaway that people can have in order to just start to even flip that switch on enjoying public speaking. Is there any one takeaway you'd want to leave people with today? Yes, this is a younger generation. I'll give you my life tip for, for, for the pod. And the awesome. life type is be insane or be the same. If you want to be like everyone else, it's totally fine. 
But if you want to make a difference in the world, you want to make an impact, however that works out for you, the only way forward is to be crazy. Don't you find it odd that a 22-year-old kid like me started a YouTube channel? Not on vlogs, not on comedy, but on public speaking and communication. It sounds ridiculous even as I say this. And then I started coaching executives the year after. But I still live in my mother's basement. I'm literally talking to on a mattress that I sleep on. I dance alone in my basement for an hour a day. I karaoke in eight different languages. And I love Justin Bieber. How does any of this make any sense at all? And that, my friends, is the point. When every decision in your life makes sense to the only person that matters, which is you, you'll probably be very successful in life. So be insane or be the same. There it is. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Brendan, thank you again. Looking forward to to more chats with you. And uh, everybody, go follow Brendan, subscribe on his YouTube, and we will see you again next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Taking a Breath podcast with Parker Mays. 